this is Bob Johnson, and welcome to Clubhouse Conversations. Every summer in Kansas City, 25 men have one simple mission, to win. Starting pitchers, corner power hitters, middle relievers, speedy gloves up the middle, closers, utility infielders, backup catchers, and they're each remembered here. From 1969 to last year, all Royals careers have been preserved with the most comprehensive collection of facts, memories, and stories in existence. Welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. And we are delighted to have you along for yet another edition of Clubhouse Conversation the place where we catch up with all your favorite current and former Royals players. It's Davo, and today we take it back to 1970. A man named Bob Johnson, who pitched for the Royals that season after coming over in a very memorable trade with the New York Mets. In fact, he came over with Amos Otis, and then after the 1970 season, was included in the deal sent to Pittsburgh, and that landed the Royals' Freddie Pottek. So definitely Bob Johnson was involved in two of the bigger trades in Royals history and was very good while he was in KC. He became the first ever Royals pitcher to strike out more than 200 in a season. He did that in 1970 when he struck out 206, threw over 200 innings for the Royals, and then went on with Pittsburgh and won a World Series that next year in 1971. Had a nice career, parts of seven years in the big leagues with the Mets, Royals, Pirates, Indians, and Braves. Bob Johnson, who joins us now from his home in Oregon on Clubhouse Conversation. First of all, thank you, Bob, for taking some time to join us. And how's everything going with you? Everything's good. You know, it's uh, I do a little coaching and stuff like that. Uh, it's really, it's it's really neat to have you call me. Uh, you know, it's just uh, it's fun to do these things. You know, kind of like signing autographs. Uh, a lot of us older guys still think it's a privilege to sign an autograph and, you know, an honor. So, uh, yeah, so in my life, I'm doing pretty good right now. Yeah, you've done some, some coaching, like you mentioned, some umpiring as well. So you've stayed in the game pretty much ever since you got out, haven't you? Yeah, I've always always found a way to stay around the game one way or another. Uh, I love, you know, I love the game. I didn't, when I was playing, I didn't, you know, if you asked me if I loved baseball, I would say, oh, I really like it and it's fun to play. And But, I, you know, I really found that, uh, baseball's part of me, and, and uh, I've been around the game so long now that it's just I can't see giving it up forever. Yeah, it's in the blood. Now, how about uh, how about this 2014 Royals postseason run? Did you get into that at all? I, w- I watched them a little bit, and uh, and I rooted for them. I was hoping they'd win. Uh, I kind of have a soft spot for the Royals, and, and you know, naturally Pittsburgh too. But uh, but yeah, I, I watched them. As a matter of fact, I watched uh, watched. Um, most of the game on TV last yesterday uh, from spring training, and uh, you guys, you guys feel like you have a lot of a lot of good pitching, you know, for you. And so, I don't know, you guys should do pretty well this year, I would think. Yeah, pitching and defense, just like the old days, right? Yep, that's that's the name of the game. No matter how good we hit, even in Pittsburgh, uh, there would be games where we didn't score, and and the teams that won were the teams that had good pitching and defense. Absolutely. Well, let's go back from the start and talk about the whole journey. You ready to go way back? Yeah. Uh, you know, at my age, at my age, sometimes I forget when I go to the garage what I went there for. So <laughs> this could be an adventure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, so you were born outside of Chicago then, Aurora, Illinois. You pitched for a couple of years at Bradley, ultimately. But before we get to that, so let's talk about you growing up. I know you played baseball, basketball, and football at Lamont Township High School. But I think, you know, was baseball your favorite sport growing up? And then who do you credit for helping you to become such a good baseball player growing up? Uh, well, uh, basketball is my favorite sport. Uh, 
Huh. Um, I, well, I always played baseball. I played baseball. Well, the first year we had Little League in our town was when I was 10. And naturally, I played. So I played when I was 10 uh, in Little League, and like most kids. But uh, I loved basketball. Baseball came easy to me, and uh, and so I always played. But basketball, I really loved it, and I really worked at it. I, I actually, that's why I went to Bradley University. I went to play basketball, not baseball. And um, so that's one of those deals that, uh, uh, and I would, and I turned out to be a really good basketball player. I, I made uh, honorable mention all state in Illinois, which is no small deal. Uh, Illinois is a, a powerhouse basketball state, and uh, especially back then. And then, uh, uh, yeah, so 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 it was my favorite sport, but baseball. Uh, like I said, baseball came a little easier to me, I think. So you played both basketball and baseball in college then, huh? No, I only played basketball in college. I didn't really play on that Bradley baseball team. Really? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Unless my thinking is wrong. No, I'm positive I didn't play baseball. <laughs> but I did play basketball, Bradley, uh, my freshman year. And then that's the only time, that's the only year I went there. And then... Um, and then I came back and I and I started playing semi-pro baseball um, with a team called the Will County Athletics, and uh, and you know I had been playing baseball right along. I never there was never a time that I didn't play baseball. I don't think I, I don't think I ever missed a season not playing. And uh, so um, anyway, we went to the uh, that. Do you want to go that far yet, or you want to stay in? Yeah, no, that's anyway, yeah. Well, I was going to ask you. So, 1964, the Mets found you. Then a guy named uh, Walter Milley has discovered you and signed you. Tell the story then how he found you. Well, Walt, Walt was uh, he was uh, what you call a, back then a bird dog scout, and and they would go around. And he was uh, happened to be in his area, and uh, he came out and watched me. And uh, in high school, he he'd come by and he'd see me pitch one game or something, and I was sick and I didn't throw as well as I usually did. And I kind of got written off, I guess. And uh, then what happened was uh, I got on this semi-pro team, and the semi-pro team was uh, – uh, we were good. And anyway, we won a state, state amateur tournament, and then we went to the uh, – they call it the uh, NBC, the National Baseball Congress tournament, in Wichita, Kansas every year. And uh, and that's a pretty good – that's a pretty good league. You know, the year I went there, Don Larson was there from the Yankees. Uh, uh uh, Seaver played. Seaver was playing with the Gold Panthers from Alaska. Uh, there were some real, real good ball clubs, and uh, that was a really good. That was a really good power. Anyway, he saw me playing there, and uh, he's a little skeptical because I used to, uh, I used to ride my Harley to the baseball game with my baseball uniform on, and, <laughs> and uh, go out, you know, strike out twenty guys, pitch a shutout, get back on the motorcycle, and off to the bowling alley, you know, that kind of deal. And so, anyway. I think Walt was a little uh, put off by that, and so. But anyway, I talked to him, and and, and one thing led to another, and and uh, he said, "Well, do you want to sign?" And I was wasn't 21 yet, so my dad had to had to sign back then. Is what you had to do, and and I said, "Well, I said, do I get to go to Florida to train?" And he said, "Yeah." And I said, "Sounds like a good deal to me. Get out of this cold weather for a while." <laughs> and that was the last winter I ever spent in Chicago. <laughs> I don't. I don't blame you. Well, then you get to uh, the New York Penn League then with Auburn in '64 and '65. Now I wanted to ask you about your very first start, your pro debut. You threw a one-hit shutout. What do you remember about that night? Well, that was 
that was interesting. We had a guy named uh, uh, Greg Goosen. You may have remembered him or seen his name somewhere around, but Greg, Greg was the catcher, and so Greg and I, Greg and I, we went out. And we we would go out after and have a cocktail or two together, and so we got to be pretty good friends uh, before before we ever started the season. And the first game. First game, I was throwing. I was throwing well, and, and I don't know if you've been to many minor league, minor league parks, but the lights aren't the greatest down there. And if yeah. you're throwing in the low 90s and, and you've got pretty good control, the hitters at a pretty big disadvantage. But anyway, we had two outs, two outs in the bottom of the ninth, or with the top of the ninth, we were at home. Two outs in the bottom, uh, top of the ninth, and this little guy came up and he lays down a bunt and he beats <laughs> it out. That was the only hit. No. So, Oh yeah, oh yeah. He he and I didn't see eye to eye the rest of that season, so you have to read it between the lines in that one. Yeah. But the yeah, uh, uh, I figured if he wanted to be on basic that much, I'd put him on every once in a while. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, that was that was that was exciting because. Uh, well, a, a quick story. You know, when I I went to spring training with the Mets, and um, when I got down there, there was like fifty pitchers down there. And uh, it's so I'm I'm looking around I'm looking around and I'm going, geez you know there there was only two teams there was Williamsport and um, in Auburn, and uh, I got asked one of the older guys because I was I was I turned 21 that that I was going to turn 21 that April so I was a little older than some of the kids that were down there, and uh, I said how many teams are down here and he says well he says there's two, and I said well how many pitchers do they carry? He said, probably 10 on each team, maybe 11. And I said, where are the other 30 guys going? He said, home. And, and I'm watching the other guys throw, and they all look like they're throwing better than I'm throwing because you don't, you know, you don't see yourself. That was before the days of all the media stuff we have now where you, you, know, you can pitch and they see you and walk over to the dugout and, and watch your motion you know, instantaneously. But back then, you, know, you had to take a film and it took a while to develop and all that. So I, I was, I really didn't know if I'd make a team or not. That's the other guys would, the older guys would tell me, and they'd say, "Don't worry about it. You're gonna." He says, "You may break with the Double A team." And he says, "But you'll at least," he says, "You'll be starting opening day for uh, Auburn." And and he was right. And uh, but it's interesting the way you perceive yourself as how good you are compared to when you watch other people and you know, how good you think they are. You know? Yeah. No, no, no. No kidding about that. Well, then, so the next year you moved up to Williamsport and Jacksonville, then in 66, and then 67 is the one that was nearly tragic for you, but ended up okay. So you're pitching there at AA Williamsport. You're getting an awful motorcycle accident. You nearly lose your leg. So take us back to that moment. What do you remember about the accident itself? How scared were you? And then what did the doctors initially tell you? Well, we, we, what we did was I had bought a, I had bought a, uh, I had a motorcycle and. Uh, and I had just bought a new. I bought a new one. It was a little bigger motorcycle and a little faster. And and we were after after the game. Uh, one of the other players rode my my smaller motorcycle. I rode the bigger one. And we were out. We were up riding in the mountains. You know, after the game. And uh, I went around. Uh, uh, what happened was my my brand, my bike was brand new, and so it overheated and it got hot. So I just shut it off. And then I decided well, I better catch up to. My friend, so I got it on it pretty hard. Went around a corner and hit a little bit of gravel on the road and put it up against the side of the guardrail, and uh, and tore my leg up real, real bad. And I I knew I, I knew he couldn't 
he said he would ride down and get for, get help. And I said, no, I said, there's no way. I said, if, if by the time you get back, I'd, I'm, I'm going to bleed to death because I had I had severed. I knew at least one vein or artery in my ankle, and because it was spurting blood. And I said, you know, we're gonna, we need to get down. And I said, you're going to have to take me down. Well, he was an inexperienced rider, and we had a little 90cc Bridgestone. <laughs> so two big ball players on that thing, and he took. Well, but he got us down there, got us to the hospital, and I told him to, you know, take off. And uh, I had lost my shoe, and my sock was just flipping blood everywhere, and. So it looked pretty bad, but I was probably in shock at probably what was the deal there. And then, and then I heard him talking about uh, I was pretty much out after they given me probably giving me a shot of heroin or I mean uh, uh, morphine or whatever to kill pain. And and so uh, I heard I heard Doctor Gingrich telling me say they said well you know we probably got a fifty fifty chance we're going to have to have to cut it off at the hip if if we don't cut it off at the knee right now. And then Dr. Gingrich said, no, nah, he, he says, I know this guy. He, he, he prefers to gamble. And um, he, would, he would take the gamble that he could keep his leg. And you know what's you know, really interesting about that? To show you how wonderful the fraternity of baseball is, uh, the Mets refused to pay me until I went back out and pitched. And so I was in the hospital for 28 days, and I got back out. And then about two weeks later, uh, two weeks later, I still had a wet cast on my leg. And I could throw, uh, I, you know, I could throw, but I couldn't run uh, hardly at all. And uh, and they knew it. The other team knew it when I went out there to pitch. And and they could have they could have bunted me off the field, and not one person would even attempt to lay down a bunt. That's that's pretty classy right there, you know. So so anyway, that's that's pretty much how it went. And then uh, I finally got back out, and started pitching again, and um, and then I got. Re, then, then the very next year, I got that winter. I got recalled into the service, so I almost um, missed two full years, as it were, during that period of time. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you about that. So it was 1968. What did you do in the service that year? And then, what are your favorite memories of that year? Well, 68, I didn't do anything because when I went into the service, uh, we were in a con- we were in control groups back then. A lot of the ballplayers were, and we would do our military service. Uh, we would go a whole month in the wintertime instead of, you know, the two week and then every weekend or, you know, one weekend a month. And uh, the control group got disbanded, and uh, there, was a, there was a governor, I mean, uh, a senator or a congressman or something that, whose boy had got really good football player, got killed in Vietnam, and uh, so he was upset that the other players didn't have to go, and not, not, you know how that's the politics and stuff works. Mm-hmm. But, so everybody had to get in a unit. Well, I couldn't get in one, and so what happened was I got recalled. But I had already heard, the story about hurting my leg. I'd hurt my leg so bad that there was no way, there was no possible way that the military would take me. And so when I talked to the doctor, that that's what he said. He says there's no possible way. And so so anyway, I go to Fort, I think it was Fort Benning, Georgia. And I have my physical, and the guy looks at my leg, and he says, "Holy cow!" He says, "What are you, what are you doing here?" And I said, "Well, I said I got, I got this thing to come back down and and take a physical for doing active duty uh, because we got, you know, uh, gotten out of the control group, da da da." And he says, "Well, he says I'll take you to the doctor." He says, "But the doctor will just reject you because there's no way." And uh, so I go in, go in to talk to the doctor, and the doctor notices that I was in the National Guard, and he says. Well, you're already in. He said, "We're not going to let you. We're not going to let you out." He says, "If you're in, you're going to stay." And I said, "What? What? what I, am I going to do?" And I said, and he said, "Well, 
he says, we're going to have to give you a profile. A profile is uh, like a note from the doctor that says you can't only do certain things. Well, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't, I couldn't even stand in formation. When they had formation, they had put a chair out there for me. Hmm. And, and that was really, that was terrible. And then I had the, the, place, I, I, the place I went, the, the, the uh, CO there, well, actually the top jet, the master sergeant, he wanted me to go to Germany to play ball. He says, you, he says, he shows here, you're a pretty darn good ball player. He says, you want to go play ball for the time you got in the service? I said, you know, yeah, it'd be better than doing what I'm doing now. Well, they wouldn't let me go. They wouldn't let me play ball. They wouldn't let me, they wouldn't let me be a soldier, and they wouldn't let me play ball. So I just, I was a vegetable, basically, for, what, a year, year and a half, something like that. Jeez. Anyway, so um, until I got out. <laughs> so that was not a good, that was not a good time for me. I didn't, I didn't appreciate that real well. Well, then, so then you came back to baseball, and the story is that Whitey Herzog basically saved your career, right? Yeah, that's uh, he did. He actually did, and, you know, he. Uh, I, we talked about this a little when I talked to you last time. But basically what happened was uh, after missing two years, uh, they had gone, Whitey knew, Whitey knew that probably the year I hurt my leg on the motorcycle, I should have been playing at least AAA and with an outside chance to play be in the big leagues that year. And uh, so he sent me right to AAA, and, and what, it ha- what happened was it was just too fast for me to start with. And I was gradually catching up, but, you know, the guys in AAA, they all get better as the season goes, too. And so when, you, when you're behind to start with, it's almost it is, it's real tough to catch up. So, so anyway, uh, Wayne came to me and he said, he says, hey, he says, we want you to go down to Memphis. All the starting pitchers are hurt. He said, you got two guys you can throw down there. He said, uh, he said, I want you to go down there. You'll start every fourth day. He says, if it rains three days, you'll start again. And he says, I want you to go down and start. You're not a relief pitcher anyway. You're a starter. And, uh, and I said, why, you know, I, the handwriting looks like it's on the wall. It looks like I'm not good enough. It looks like I'm not going to make it. And he says, that's not true. He says, you are good enough, and you are going to make the big leagues. And he said, uh, he says, but. But you need to go down there, and you need to work on it. And I, he says, "What will it take for you to go down there?" And I said, "Well, give me eleven hundred hour." I don't know why I said eleven hundred. I think it was probably making, you know, back then I, I may have only been making nine hundred a month or something. I don't, I can't even remember. But eleven hundred would put me where I was making the big league mi- uh, minimum at the time, huh. and that's where the number came from, anyway. And and he says, "You got it," and I and I went, "Huh?" <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that. I just, because that's almost unheard of in the middle, you know, getting sent down and then getting uh, doubling your salary. So, uh, so anyway, yeah, if he hadn't done that, I would have went home, and I actually would have went home. And but then I went down there. I went down to Memphis, and it was just like he said. It was, it was double no pictures, and uh, so I started every third or fourth day. And for me, that was always a good fit. Uh, I would have rather because I was a control pitcher, uh, even though I had a good fastball. And a pretty good breaking ball. I, I, uh, my control was my second best pitch. My fastball was my best pitch, and control of my fastball was my second best pitch because I could spot the ball pretty much anywhere I wanted to. And um, so anyway, I went down there and had a I had a heck of a year down there. I mean, looking back on it, I looked at the other my baseball card the other day, and I looked at it, and I went, damn. <laughs> maybe they may have got a different Bob Johnson in there or something, you know. <laughs> well, there are there are a few of them. So <laughs> yeah, use somebody else's stats there. Those are pretty good. And uh, so so anyway, yeah, that's what I did. And then I got then then I got called up to the Mets at the end, and uh, 
and got to pitching a couple. You, you, uh, got to, I got to pitch in a couple games for the Mets during the. the it actually, it was during that stretch drive too. It was it was it was pretty pretty neat to get in the games when they were because they were running for the pennant in that last month was it was exciting. You know the the comeback they made was almost unbelievable. Well, yeah, you uh, yeah. actually you got the save when they won their hundredth game. Do you remember that game at all? Uh, well, yeah, I do. I do because uh, I came in and I think I had uh, we were over in Wrigley Field and <clears throat> and I remember uh, I remember I got uh, I think I got the first couple guys out and then uh, the uh, and then Banks came up and Banks hit and you know Chicago is when we, at the end of the year yeah. when that wind is going out the ball is gone once it's in the air. And Banks hits this real high, and the second baseman, I mean, the shortstop is going back for it, and it just kept going and going and going, ended up in the vines. <laughs> and I thought, I said, holy cow, I think that thing's out of there. And uh, But anyway, it stayed in the park, stayed in the park, and I, I got the next guy out, and so I, I ended up getting a save. So that that was pretty, that was a pretty big deal for me because, uh, you know, that was, that was, I think that was the first, I, time I pitched in the big leagues, yeah, and and uh, and I my goal my goal in the minor leagues was because I didn't know if I was going to make the big leagues. I just wanted to get to the big leagues and strike out one major league hitter because I do I did get a kick out of striking guys out. I like that. <laughs> well, you you ended up getting many of those. So also nineteen sixty nine. Of course, the Mets made the World Series. Now you were going to be on the World Series roster, but a twist of fate made you not make the World Series roster, right? Want that story? Huh? I yeah. love it. Well, it's a it's a good it's it's really a good story. Uh, when we started the season, I had been going out for some time with this uh, uh, with with this girl, and we had gotten married in Norfolk, Virginia, and at Tidewater uh, at the, when we started the season in ja- in uh, Jacksonville. We was Jacksonville? No, it was Tidewater. It was Tidewater, West uh, Virginia, and uh, so anyway. When we go down to the flight attendant, why don't I go back to Chicago the summer? And she said, why don't I go back to Chicago? Because she was based in Chicago, and we were both born and raised in, in near the Chicago area, in the Chicago area. She says, I'll go back and uh, stay with my mom and dad, and uh, I'll go back to work, and we'll make a little extra money. And I said, uh, you know, I didn't really want her. But anyway, she did. So anyway, after when I went down, I hadn't seen her in... in Oh, about a month and a half. She came down to visit one time, and I hadn't seen her about a month and a half. And it was, I don't know, August, probably August 30th or maybe August 29th. And, and the manager called me, and he says, the, the Mets are calling you up to the big leagues. And I'm going, and I'm, you know, I'm watching the papers and stuff, and I'm going, yeah, I'm going to pitch a lot there anyway, you know, <laughs> with all these guys they had up there. And, um, and he said, well, he says, you want me to get you a ticket? Or he said, you want me to just get, cut you a check and and you can go ahead and, uh, you know, route your own way through. And I said, give me a chat. And, I'll, and so what I did is I routed myself through Chicago because we were going from Memphis, Tennessee to New York. And um, I stopped and saw my, saw my wife for two or three days. And so I, I ended up getting to New York on September 1st. And um, I walk in the clubhouse, and the clubhouse guy is going, boy, these guys are upset with you. You better get up to the office right now. And so I go up to the office, and Whitey is there, and, uh, you know, the owner is there. <laughs> and I'm going, whoa, well, I must have done something pretty bad here. 
and they go, where have you been? And I said, well, I stopped to see my wife. I said, I didn't think it'd be any big deal. You know, I, I, I'm really glad I'm getting called up, but I, you know, I've been around a while and I'm, I, the real realism is that usually you get called up and you just kind of hang around for a while and maybe pitching in here or two, but you guys are running for it right now. And I didn't think I mean, they said, well, you're wrong because Ron Taylor hurt his arm and we had to have you here before September 1st, uh, because we wanted to put you on the you know postseason roster, <laughs> so that you could be our short reliever, right-handed reliever, and I went, oh, no wonder you're mad. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, I you got women have power. You have to remember that, <laughs> and uh, and they, that's why they rule the world. But anyway, the uh, uh, it was that was a bad that was a bad decision on my part, you know. But you know they could have. They could also have told me that up front, you know. Yeah, that's true. Need you here to make sure you're here before September first, and I, nobody told me that. And so, but anyway, crossing the World Series ring <laughs> because I mean I probably wouldn't have got a full share, but I certainly, if you're on the World Series roster, you certainly would get a ring, and it would have been neat to have another one. Yeah, yeah. Well, so after that 1969 year, then you're involved in the first of two trades that are huge for the Royals in their history. So you get shipped to KC with Amos Otis for Joe Foy. Now, what do you remember about the moment you got the news you were going to Kansas City? Where were you at? Who told you? And were you surprised, or were you expecting that? Or what was your emotions like? I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where I was. I got traded, and it was in the off season. And I know I was with my wife, and we we're probably just at home, and. Uh, um, I believe Whitey called us. Might have been Whitey that called us. Because I, I knew Whitey better than I knew everybody else, you know, with the Mets at that particular time. But they called and they said, well, we're going to, you're going to, you're involved in a trade with Amos Otis and Jackie Hernandez and you're going to go to uh, uh, Kansas City for Joe Foy. You know, and then shortly, you know, and and then right after that, Cedric Callis called, you know, and welcomed us to the Royals and and all that, and had us come down, uh, and they paid for my paid for me to come down, and just just were really really nice, you know, really nice about the whole deal, and uh, so. But anyway, I was happy. I was happy because uh, what had happened with with the Mets was their thought process back then was. Because they were brand new and they were an expansion team, and and their their thoughts on how to build a team were, what we're going to do is they're going to go out and sign every hard throwing pitcher we find that we can sign. We're going to sign them, you know. And it was all they didn't they didn't care they didn't care about signing anybody that struck out two guys in inning if he was doing it with a full curveball. They didn't want they wanted power pitchers. And he, and then they figured what they'll do is they'll keep the best of them, and they'll have all these extra pitchers that they could trade for whatever they need, and that's what they did, and they were successful. And uh, so, so I wasn't unhappy about getting away from the Mets simply because, uh, you know, you got guys like Kuzmin and Seaver and Gentry and guys that I played with my whole career, and I know how good they were, you know, and not that I was terrible, but I knew these guys. These guys were. It was going to be tough to get with the Mets and be one of the starters at the Mets. So I was kind of excited about going to Kansas City because I didn't I didn't know how good the team was, but they, you know, the Mets had just won World Series, so they probably had to be a down step down from you know from the Mets at that time. But uh, 
So I was, so I was happy to go there, and then when I got there and talked to, and saw the town and talked to Cedric Dallas and all that, uh, uh, things really it really seemed like I found a found a home because I, I would I was really happy about being there. Now that's first spring training there in Fort Myers. What do you remember about that? And then who were some of the the teammates you hit it off with right away? Well, I don't I don't remember a lot. I know I got to I know I got to pitch quite a bit, but but back then I, I can remember they had you know they had Drago and Butler and and Rooker and uh, and Rooker and I hit it off right away. Rooker Rooker he's a fun loving kind of guy. We we kind of cut out of the same mold. You know we we, uh, we don't take. When we're not standing on the mound pitching, everything is pretty humorous to us. <laughs> anyway, we, we had we had a really good time. Uh, Rook, Rook has been one of my uh, he's he's been one of my running buddies uh, ever since I got into the, the major leagues when we first met. So he's a good, he's a good guy. He's a good friend. And uh, but but Rooker and I hit it off right away. And and I noticed that you know. You know, we're talking about Gentry and Kuzman and all those guys over with the Mets, and you know, he had some darn good pitchers. You know, they had uh, uh, Drago was a good pitcher, Butler. They had Wally Bunker, uh, and so I didn't start. Uh, you know, I, I threw the ball. I thought I threw the ball real well to start the season, and I did. But uh, but anyway, they had guys that were already in the slots for the starting rotation. So so I didn't break into the starting rotation in spring training. The, um, I ended up. I started. I started out the season in the bullpen. Well, it didn't take long till you were. You had an ERA around three. You're the first pitcher in Royals history to strike out over 200 hitters that year. You threw well over 200 innings. You were second Sporting News's uh, rookie pitcher of the year next to Burt Blylevin as well. So, I mean, what else sticks out about that 1970 season when you think back to playing here? Well, it's funny because I started out in the bullpen. I started out in the bullpen, and then. A whole bunch of things happened that year that normally don't happen on a baseball team. We we changed managers in the middle of the year. Um, we lost our short our short reliever got traded. We we lost our short reliever. I started in the bullpen and then I started to start. And I was starting and I was uh, I was throwing really really well. And so uh, anyway, we lost our short reliever and Bob Lemon came up and he says he says he says this isn't because you don't deserve to be a starter, but we don't have a short, a short man out of the bullpen. And he said, "I know you can throw every day." He said, "Would you do it?" And he would. And that's the way he phrased it. And uh, he didn't say, "You're going to the bullpen to be the short man" or any of that. Bob, Bob Lemon was a really classy, classy guy. And uh, and and so Bob, you know, he kind of asked me, knowing that all I had to do was say, "You're, you're going out of the bullpen." That's it. And uh, so I went down there and I got four saves down there, and that was kind of in the middle. Or, you know, like, yeah, maybe the fourth, fourth month into the season, something like that. And, uh, but I also, a story on myself, uh, I went out and I gave up back to back grand slams. <laughs> what? <laughs> you talk, you talk about being upset. And, uh, but, well, that happens to short relievers, you know. And, uh, but back then, and there's two of my losses right there. <laughs> and, and, and a good portion of my own runs. But uh, so so those things happen, and then I went back to starting again, and uh, and so probably if I'd have started the, the season as a starter, and uh, and we had a bunch of, and we had people hurt there too, so I ended up starting. Uh, I think Rooker could still throw. 
and uh, Drago and and myself, and pretty much everybody else was was hurting. So, you know, I mean, if it rained, it'd be one, two, three, and if it rained today, it was you start them over again, you know. <laughs> and uh, so, so I would have got so I, I got a lot of innings in in a hurry, and that's one reason that you got my innings up. But if I had started from the beginning of the season, I probably would have got two hundred fifty, two hundred seventy-five innings, maybe. Who were and, uh, who were the Grand Slams to? Do you remember? I have no idea. I can't remember. <laughs> you tried to push that from your mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I tried to. Uh, uh, I'll give you a quick story on Reggie Jackson. You know. Yeah. Uh, this was before I really knew a lot about pitching, and I, would, I had a good arm and I had good control. But so I had gone out, and and Jackson, there was a wind blowing about thirty miles an hour in from right field. That was the old Municipal Stadium. They had a scoreboard out in right center that must have been, oh, 75, 80 feet high. The top probably was at least 100 feet off the ground. And and so Jackson, the first first two or three times up, Jackson, I stuck him out on fastballs up on, you know, on his hands right at the letters because he couldn't hit that pitch unless he was looking for him. Well, anyway, I'm winning. I'm either winning two to one or one to nothing, and I got a guy on first, and I got a couple out. And it's the top of the ninth, I think. And I got ahead of him one and two or whatever, and I leaned on a fastball. Same place I'd stuck him out a couple times before, and he looked. He was looking for it, and he hit that thing. When it hit the scoreboard up near the top, it, the wind was. It, it, if it wasn't for the wind, it would have went right out over the top of the scoreboard. <laughs> he just crushed it. I can't. I went, wow, I said, I must have thrown that one pretty hard for it to go that far. <laughs> I mean, he just crushed it. Anyway, I lost that game. You know, so, see, I learned a lot. I learned a lot pitching in Kansas City. Uh, not, you know, it wasn't all bad stuff. There was some good stuff, too. Well, you finished strong that year, too. You you uh, you know, threw nine innings in five of your last eight starts. You threw eight innings or more in seven of the last eight. I wanted to ask you about one more game from that year. It was your second-to-last start. Uh, September 26th against the Twins, you threw a four-hit shutout with eight strikeouts. Do you have any recollection of that night at all? Four or nothing against the Twins. <laughs> four-hit shutout, yep. <laughs> was, it, was, it, was it at home? Yeah, it was. <laughs> That's amazing. I think I pitched two shutouts that season. Uh, I think I pitched one against Boston, and, and the, uh, the other one was Minnesota. The Twins had a good team that year, too. Yeah, they did. Really good team. They had some good players. Oh, and how about uh, Municipal Stadium itself? How'd you like playing there? Oh, I loved it. That was, uh, if, if anybody that didn't see it, you get some of the old-timers that, you know, got to go to games there, whether it be football or, because they played football there, and, and they also played uh, uh, baseball there. So, uh, but anyway, back then, George Toma, George Toma, who I probably, I think is probably the best groundskeeper there that's ever taken care of a field. And uh, th- that field would look like AstroTurf, but it was real grass. I mean, just absolutely wonderful stadium to play ball in. And, uh, uh, you know, it just had character. I, it, it was a nice stadium. I was really sorry to see sorry to see it go, you know, because it was uh, – but George Stoma was the reason because he just – the thing was just uh, – everything was just absolutely perfect. Um, well, I got – you want to hear a quick story about George Soma? Yeah, of course. Okay, so we got, I had a wine rider, uh, uh, a hunting dog, and 
she could flat run. I mean, she's long-legged and fast, and and so Rooker and I take her out hunting and stuff, and he said, uh, one day Rook says, uh, and it was in the off-season, and, and uh, Tomo was out there. They were getting, they were getting ready to uh, uh, they had a football game that weekend, a home game. I think it was Oakland. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But anyway, they they were playing football that weekend. So Thomas got the field all ready and stuff like that. And he's just putting the finishes touch, finishing touches on the. They'd have the two teams' helmets right in the center. And uh, and so anyway, Rook says, "Wonder how fast a damn dog can run." And I said, "Well, I don't know." I said, "Let's get a stopwatch." <laughs> and when when we come in to sell season tickets. We'd put her up in the batting cage while we were on the phones and stuff. <laughs> and uh, she'd just hang out in the batting cage and stuff. So anyway, we go down the field, make a long story short. She goes out. She's been in the batting cage for well, three or four hours. And she had food and water. Anyway, she, she uh, I said, look, you, you call her. You call her, and when I try, I'll turn her loose, and then uh, I'll hit the stopwatch. And then you just raise your hand when she gets there. So we get her, and she's about about nine two. The first one, and Rook says, "Let's do it again and reverse it because she'll run faster back to you." <laughs> I said, "Okay," and so we do it, and she gets about halfway and stops and runs right over to the center of the field, and she has to take a dump <laughs> right on one of the helmets on Tola's helmets, and he was. I mean, I thought he was going to come unglued. <laughs> and I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm still cleaning up. We were running all over trying to find a bag to pick. Oh, God, it was funny. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that, was, that was one of the dandies that we did. But, uh, yeah. so... That's, that's my George Toma story. That, yeah. That's classic. Now, did you have any favorite areas of Kansas City? Do you remember hanging out anywhere that you enjoyed here at all, off the field at all? We kind of we lived in over uh, most of the players lived in Overland Park mm-hmm. back then, and uh, so we just kind of we 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 come into town once in a while. But I can't even God, I can't. It's been a long time. I can't remember, you know, uh, where we did and didn't go right now. Yeah, and, and only being there a year. Uh, I like I really like Kansas. I like and, and I like uh, out in Western Kansas because uh, I think I told you that story that about. Uh, the, the Royals decided that they were going to give free, uh, free access to some of the ball players, and they made up teams for little leagues and for alliance clubs for all the all the small towns out in Western Kansas. And uh, so uh, Amos Otis was on my team, and then uh, Rook went with us for sometimes, and then Tom Bergmeier and uh, and who else went with Tom? But anyway, we had two teams. One week he'd stay back and sell season tickets, and then the other week he would go out on the road, Monday through I think Saturday, and each night he'd spend a night at at another little town, and we'd give a we give a luncheon we give a luncheon in uh, uh, you know Lions Club or whatever, and and we'd speak and stuff like that, and then uh, and then in the evening we do we do little league banquets and sign autographs and. And you know, give little speeches and stuff like that. Just, so, so it's really good. So, I, I really like the people out there. The people, the people in Western Kansas are amazing. You know, they they have these great big tractors. Some of them have 25, 30 foot whip antennas on there, 
And uh, and the reason they got them on there is to listen to the Kansas City ball play, ball yep. games, you know. Yep. But we love their it's, the Royals out here. That's for sure. Absolutely. They just they just they just love them. And so uh, so that was kind of neat. I, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed going out there. One other question about ni- 1970 was, uh, you know, Charlie Metro. You mentioned Bob Lemon. What was Charlie Metro like? Charlie was kind of a little stickler, you know, about little rule things and stuff like that. And uh, and uh, I like Bob Lemon a lot better. And uh, I think the players did too. Uh, Charlie, Charlie was, Charlie was a good, uh, an, un, un, in my mind, Charlie was with young, younger ball players. And in teaching, Charlie was great. He was really great. And uh, but I, I'm not. I'm not. You know, he sometimes would up guys the wrong way. I think. You know. And uh, but you know, I liked him. I got along fine with him and stuff. But, and, um, but I liked Bob Lemon better. Well, Bob Lemon was a pitcher too. You know, so you have that that in common also. So that makes it easier to get along with a little bit, maybe. Now, that 1970 season, obviously the record wasn't good, but if you looked at your stats, your, your strikeouts were great, your innings were great, the ERA was good, and then all of a sudden the Pirates definitely noticed because Joe Brown decided he had to have you. So the Royals are trying to get Freddie Patek, and he insists that you be included in that package if the you know if that trade's going to happen. So it ultimately does. You get sent to Pittsburgh. The Royals get Patek amongst others. So how about your memories of that trade? Were you kind of bummed leaving KC, and were you surprised by that? I was, I was shocked. You know, I was shocked. Cedric, Cedric, uh, once again, uh, the the Royals and, and Cedric Palace showed what kind of classy people they are. You know, before he never agreed to the trade, he came in and talked to me. You know, he had me come in and talk to him and said that this is what we're going to do. And he may have already made the trade, I don't know, but I, the, the point is he, he cared about uh, how we were going to feel about it. And I didn't want to go. I said, Cedric, I said, I don't want to go. I said, I want to stay here. He said, I said, I love it here. My wife loves it here. I love it here. We've already made a ton of friends. The the people in the community uh, are just the kind of people I want to be around. And um, he said, yeah, he said, but we we just are, we, we can get enough players for you uh, to make, you know, to, to, to make us, to make us uh, maybe not a contender, but, but at least we'll be, We'll be will we'll be able to win a bunch of games because of it. And I and I said, and he told me he says I, I that's the last thing I want to do is trade you. He says, but you know it, it, the the deal is just too good. And um, so I said, yeah, what am I going to do? I I couldn't veto it or anything, you know. Anyway, but anyway, the way he handled it was really nice. And I wasn't I wasn't super happy about going. However, I also knew how good the Pirates were. And I knew that going over to the Pirates, all they met, all they were missing is one or two pitchers, and uh, and you know, and a couple defensive players, and and they were ready to win World Series. And I knew that. So when I got when I got over there, um, it, it was it was different for sure because I went from a team who we we didn't win a lot of games. We lost games one to nothing and two to one, and uh, that was standard. And uh, went to a team that, you know, averages five or six runs a game and sometimes just beats other pitchers to death, you know. And so you're looking at a whole different scenario as far as pitching. And they had a great big ballpark that, you you know, the ball didn't carry well in. So it was perfect for a high ball pitcher. Like, you know, a lot of times I'd go high on guys. And so uh, that part of it was good. However, they already had 
they, they, they picked up Nellie Bryles in the offseason. And so uh, that, with me and Bryles, that made seven starting pitchers they had. So, you know, it was one of those things. Instead of pitching every fourth day, like with the Royals, uh, now I'm looking at a five-man rotation, which means you're only going to pitch every six or seven days sometimes. And uh, I don't do as well in those circumstances as I do, you know, pitching more often. But things worked out pretty good because, I, you know, we ended up going to the World Series and and getting a World Series ring. So that's that's all pretty positive. And it was and just like any place else, there were really great guys on that team too. So, well, anyway. You uh, you mentioned Nellie Bryles, and that's you know a good a good segue because so one of your best big league moments then it's 1971 World Series Game Three and right before the game Bryles gets scratched I think it was an injury or something and then you get told the last second you're going to start you throw eight shutout innings uh, so take us back to that day and what you remember about that yeah I remember that game pretty good because that's probably uh, I pitched some good games for the Royals you know the shutouts I pitched I pitched a two hitter against Boston and stuff but. There weren't the same things on the line either, um, you know. For you know, it's the swing game. It's the third game. Whoever wins that game is probably going to win the, the series because that's the way it was going back then. You know, it's a short series, five games. So if 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 you win the third game and go up two to one, chances are you're going to win that series. And um, I knew a little bit longer ahead of time. That's the press. It, it looks. It sounds better when you say you just just walked out of the bullpen and started <laughs> spinning things. But I, I knew ahead of time, Nellie and I had talked it, uh, you know, a couple days before that, and and he, and he came out and in the outfield. He says, I'm slated to start this one. He says, but probably you're going to be the starter. And uh, I said, it's, it, you know, I had a bad groin, and I said, the groin's still hurting pretty bad. And he says, yeah. And uh, I said, well, I said, I'll mentally get myself ready. So, Nellie, you know, Nellie, Nellie and I knew what was going on. And so when he went down to warm up, I went down to warm up, too. Oh, okay, know. okay. Yeah, so it wasn't that I threw 20 quick pitches and started wheeling and dealing against one of the better hitting clubs on the, in, the, in baseball at that point <laughs> in time. Yeah. You know, so I, I, uh, uh, we went out at the same time and started throwing, and, and Nellie – Nelly threw up our 20 pitches, and he said, no, go ahead and get ready. He said, I'm not going to be able to make it. And so he did what they needed to do. We went down. and But we didn't delay the game or any of that stuff. He, even though he was penciled in as a starting pitcher, um, they told him early enough that they didn't really. Some places will say that I came in in relief, and then there's other places that say that I started the game. And I actually started the game. Nelly, Nelly never was going to start it, so. But but I did know a little longer ahead of time than that. But I threw really really well. I you know had a lot of strikeouts and and uh, and then I'm pitching against Juan Marichal, which is uh, and he was throwing good, you know, because naturally naturally the National League now we're all hitting. And I the first time I faced him, I said, boy, I said he's throwing good today. I said this is going to be a close one, and uh, it turned out it was. So, uh, but all all things considered, the magnitude of the game and. And stuff. I think it's probably the best game I've ever pitched. So, so yeah, I remember that one pretty good. Yeah, so that was Game 3 of the 71 NLCS. Then the World Series comes around. You start Game 2 of the series, and then even better, you come in in Game 6, and you got some key outs to kind of save that sixth game, right? Well, the sixth game, I didn't save it. But, well, I saved, 
I see this from getting uh, beat that particular inning. Right. Um, but yeah, I came. I came in. Um, the first game I was thrown okay, but I was wild, which is not good for me. And then the sixth game I came in behind behind Moose. Moose was pitching a great game, and uh, anyway, he ended up getting the bases loaded, and and so I came in uh, with nobody out. And uh, first hitter was Frank Robinson, and you're playing in Baltimore, so. All those things lead to usually not having really good success, but, <laughs> but anyway, I got Robinson to pop up, and then uh, and then I got uh, Rettman hit after him, and I got Rettman on a call third strike, and then uh, got Davey Johnson grounded second, and that was it. So uh, that was a pretty good job too. That's a pretty good relief uh, appearance, and and then I think I pitched one more inning, and then Justy came in for me. Uh, it's the next inning or the inning after I can't remember, but but that that that's fun. It's uh, I remember somebody asking me, uh, you know, uh, what's it like to to go out to, to be out there during World Series? Yeah, you know, all the stuff that goes on. Uh-huh. And uh, the only thing I could think of, and it turned out to be a good answer, was that it's like when you get your first little league uniform. You know what I mean? How how exciting that is. Uh-huh, yeah, it's kind of the same way. And uh, and if you love baseball, that that boy, nobody ever forgot that moment when you get your first uniform. You know, you get to go out there. And could now they get their first uniform when they're three. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I do. I got a three year old grandson, and he's got a little uni. He goes out <laughs> and they go toddling around out there. He can barely walk. <laughs> anyway, they have fun. That's a great. So, winning that World Series, then, I mean, is that one of the most special moments of your life, obviously? Top five, I'm assuming? Yeah, that is. That's uh, all for sure my top five. My kid's being born, you know, naturally. Uh, he's probably number one. And uh, But that, yeah, that that's, that's, that's a lot of, that, that, that's pretty strong. What, what's, uh, what's neat about it is we go back, and the Pirates are a good organization, too. The uh, Pirates, about every five years, they have us back, all the 71 people. It's kind of sad in a way because every year we, we got less and less of us, you know. And uh, But we go back, they bring us back to Pittsburgh, they pay all our expenses, and we go out and they introduce us, and, and, it's, and it's really neat. And the town is neat, too. The town is a neat town like Kansas City. You know, they, they really like the players, and they remember you. Even, even as old as I am now and as long as it's been since I played there, uh, I'll go downtown, you know, walk around, leave the hotel and walk around downtown and people come right up to you and they know who you are and they, and, and they talk with you, you know, sometimes ask for an autograph. It's kind of neat. It's kind of a neat thing. Yeah, especially all these years later. So the, so the next year is 72. You guys make the NLCS, but then ultimately you get turned away. I'm assuming that was pretty heartbreaking. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was terrible, is what it was. We we just uh, we just gave the game away. Is what we did. We 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 played Cincinnati, and Cincinnati's got a hell of a ball club. Back then, that you probably aware, the Big Red Machine. It was as good a hitting ball club as there was. But uh, and Moose Moose did a real good job in the final game. Moose, uh, no, somebody else started the game, and then Moose came in. Anyway. Uh, Moose ends up throwing a, a slider and he gets by Sangin and, and they score a winning run. The, uh, 
But we had the game in hand. We had a one-run lead going into the last, you know, to the bottom of the ninth, and we just we just kind of gave it away. Uh, Dave Dave Justin came in first, and then he he threw a high palm ball to bench, and he hit it out of the world somewhere. <laughs> Probably still going. I don't know. But anyway, uh, anyway, then uh, then the wheels just came off, and it don't take long when you got a team like Cincinnati, and. Uh, so we lost in the playoffs that year, and you know, and we played pretty good. But in '72, we had a better team in Pittsburgh than we did in '71. Huh? A much better team. I mean, we we cinched it. I don't know when we cinched it, but it had to be. I think I think it was the first week of September. And we were already we were already Eastern Division champions. <laughs> I mean, we we would come out to the West. We came out that year. We came out to the West Coast. We do the West Coast swing, for most people, if they can. If a team can come on the West Coast swing in the National League and go and go back at 500, they've had a hell of a trip. We come out, we come out, and it doesn't matter where we went. We go to San Francisco, L.A. We win three out of four, two out of three. We go back, we play, uh, you know, 17 games. And we win 12 or 13 of them. You know, and uh, it was, we had an amazing team, and that was the year Stargell was so good. You know, I mean. You know, it was just it, every time they pitched the Stargell in a game game winning situation, he came through every single time. I we'd sit there in the bullpen and go, "They're going to pitch to him. What's wrong with them? Why are they going to do that?" <laughs> and sure enough, he'd hit a double or a home run, and that'd be it. But, uh, but yeah, we, we had a better team that year uh, than we did in '71, and uh, we had more pitching. We had a little better defense too. Well, you mentioned Stargell. You know, you had Doc Ellis and Manny Sanguian, and of course, I've got to ask you what it was like playing with Roberto Clemente and what kind of man he was. Yeah, Roberto was. Uh, it, you know, a lot of people get in arguments about the greatest players that ever ever played the game, and uh, I think it almost boils down to two people. You know, Clemente and Mays. And uh, luckily, I was just really lucky to play against Mays and then and play with. Uh, uh, Play with Clemente. Clemente, I was playing baseball down in Puerto Rico. Then I, I ended up playing uh, five different five different years. I played I played winter baseball down in a couple of years in Puerto Rico, a couple of years in Mexico, uh, and in, a, in the Dominican, and also down in uh, Venezuela. So I played down there a lot. Well, I happened to be playing down in Venezuela that year. Uh, that Roberto Clemente's plane uh, actually blew up and. And went into the ocean right there by the breakwater in in San Juan, and uh, the committee what, what he was doing there is uh, we were sending supplies from the United States and Puerto Rico. Everybody was trying to help those people in Nicaragua when they had that big uh, you know uh, earthquake. And so, uh, but what's happened is the government over there was very pretty corrupt back then, and and so they were black market and everything, so the people that needed the supplies uh, weren't getting them, and Clemente was really upset about that, so he says, well, he'd all get these, I'm going over there with them, and, and he apparently knew, he knew the dictator that was messing things up because they were childhood friends, or some damn thing, I don't know how it would work, but anyway, um, that's where he was going when he got killed, and, uh, and he, you know, he just was, he's, he was, he was a great guy, and you're not just a great ball player, but he was, he was just a gentleman. He was always, 
He was always a gentleman. He was he had his little idiosyncrasies and stuff, but I'll tell you what, when that guy went on the field, he could play. And uh, I don't know. I, I for me, I if I was going to start a team, who would I take, Mays or Clemente? It wouldn't matter. Either one of them. Either one. Either one of them. You you have a franchise player for the you know for the decades. Yeah, that's so. that's for sure. Well, then the Pirates traded you then. So you, you stayed there through 73, the next year after that. Then after 73, they traded you to Cleveland for a guy named Bill Flowers. Was that trade kind of surprise you, or were you kind of expecting that? No, yeah, we expected it because in 73, in 73 we, had, we were all starting to make a little more money because when you win World Series and you're in the playoffs every year, they said they got to start paying you. Well, once once all of a sudden the, the wheels come off a little bit, and that's what was happening then. Uh, Allie was Allie was getting uh, just done. His career was over. Mazarowski's career was over at that point in time. Uh, we had some other players that were getting older that couldn't play, and uh, so they could afford to get rid of a bunch of people, and uh, and and that's what they did. They they got rid of. Uh, I don't know how many people they traded, but they traded quite a few. So it wasn't it wasn't a surprise that I got traded. I, I was pretty unhappy that I got traded to Cleveland, uh, but uh, anyway, that's the way it goes. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, did you have any? I mean, you were only you were you know briefly with Cleveland. Do you have any good memories of your times there? Or? Well, Cleveland wasn't there that long. Right? Yeah. You know, I went to a few spring months. training with Cleveland. Yeah, I went to spring training and. Uh, and and we had uh, I believe I'm trying to think of who was the manager then Bristol I think no no it wasn't that was Atlanta uh, oh Ken Astellani was the, was the manager and we were doing good I was there you know and I had just beat I had just pitched and beat uh, Oakland and Oakland was real good back then, and uh, so I was, you know, I was, I don't know what it was, three and four, or four and three, something like that. Anyway, Asamani called me in the office one day, and he says, "Hey, he's in Wolfie." He says, "He says, uh, what do you think is wrong with, with the team? And you know, how come the, you know they're so unhappy?" And uh, I said, "Well, I said you got, I said you kind of quit yelling at him and, 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 and stuff like that." I said. These guys know how to play ball. They don't have to, you don't have to be yelling at them all the time. He he said some bad things, you know, and and uh, so the players didn't get along with him very good. But anyway, I, sh- I guess I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> he told me beforehand. He said, "Just uh, he said, don't worry about it." He says, "I'm not going to hold it against you or anything. I just really kind of like to get the idea of what what's going on." I said, "Well, I said just don't yell at them so much. They they don't need to be yelled at like that. They're, they're all grown men." And. Uh, that was it. You know, naturally, I got put on waivers immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. But he, he didn't hold it against me. He just got rid of me. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, we don't care. We're going to fire you, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, we'll fire you, but it doesn't matter. We, we'll, we'll... Anyway, so. But, yeah, so that was, uh, I, I met some I met some pretty good guys. We had some pretty good ball players back then, you know. And uh, and we actually, that year, I think, if, if, if they left, alone a little bit more they might have been contenders huh. and, uh, so but anyway that's, what happens happens 
Yeah, well, then, so the rest of 74 to the end of 76, you're back at AAA, the Texas, the Yankees, and then, of course, I want to talk about the Royals again. So it's 1976. It's June 22nd when you sign again and you head to Omaha. What made you choose uh, the Royals, and what have they told you at that time? Well, uh, that, that's a pretty interesting story. You know, uh, I, I was driving down the freeway. I was driving down the freeway, and Joe Ferguson, who was catching through the Dodgers then, and uh, I had I had uh, I had quit because I got into a run-in with with uh, Billy Martin, and Billy Martin really, really what he, he what he did is uh, he had a vendetta against uh, one of the players, a guy named David Clyde, left-handed pitcher out of Texas, and he was playing for the Roy uh, the Texas Rangers then. And they took him right out of high school. The manager took him right out of high school and stuck him in the big leagues. Billy Martin didn't want him because the kid wasn't—he wasn't ready to pitch in the big leagues. And uh, he's a good kid. And he had a hell of an arm, but he just needed some experience down in the minor leagues. And, and Billy knew it. So Billy had a vendetta going against the front office, and he, he Texas claimed me off waivers. Remember, we're back to Cleveland when when I went to the minor leagues from Cleveland. Originally, Dr. Dr. Brown, who was the board, head of the board of directors for uh, the Rangers at that time, he called me up and he says, hey, he says, we're the first ones to get you off waivers. He says, we want you. And he said, would you come to Texas? I said, yeah, come to Texas. I said, I'd go anywhere rather than where I'm at. I don't like where I'm at. And he said, uh, okay. He says, a couple days, we'll have you here. Well, I get a, I get a call about a day later, and it's a general manager the general manager says, Billy Martin won't take you. <laughs> and uh, I said, what do you mean he won't take me? And he says, well, uh, all these things. And, uh, and, and and they don't have any pitching there. I know they don't have any pitching to start with. So he says, they want you to go They want you to, go to uh, uh, not Tacoma, but uh, the AAA team over in Oklahoma City, is that who it was? What's that? Oklahoma City was it there back then or not? No, no, no. That was before Oklahoma City. That was, that was. Um, uh, it's in Western Washington. Huh. Anyway, anyway, it's AAA, and so I go. And so he says, "Well, they won't, he says he's not going to pay if you don't go to AAA." So I go to AAA. Uh, I go to AAA, and when I get there, I got a couple other experienced pitchers there, and hell, we win the league, and. We win the league. I go, uh, and so I pitched the first game of the playoffs, win it. And my buddy pitched the second game of the playoffs. He wins that one. And it's best, it's, it's best three out of five. And so they only need to win one more, one game out of three. So we said, well, we're going to drive that way. And, they, and the manager said, hey, you didn't care. He said, go ahead. And I was, was showing back. So we drive, and we go up, and, and uh, we're driving back, and, we call them. Uh, they call us after the game. They said we won the game. He says we're champions. You guys, did you write down whether you needed a ring or not? And I said, yeah, we got that handled. So, so anyway, I'm I'm fooling around. I get back to Chicago, and seeing my parents and stuff like that, and my wife, and and uh, we got a guy get a call, and it's uh, it's it's the general manager for Texas, and he says. He says, hey, Billy Martin wants you to join them. They're, uh, they're playing the White Sox. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, I'm not going to go over there. 
And so he said, no, if you don't go over there, we're not going to pay you. That, that was always the answer you got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you don't go, we won't pay you. I said, well, I'm certainly I'm making decent money at that point in time, so I couldn't just throw the money away. So I went over there. and Anyway, I find out from a guy named Duke Sims that, that Billy Martin is using me to get back at the management. In other words, he's using me to get his vendetta going for them. And so uh, Billy and I didn't get along after that, for sure. So I quit. I ended up quitting rather than put up with it. And anyway, okay, now back to Joe Ferguson. I see Joe Ferguson on the freeway, and he said, Would you qu- why aren't you playing? And I said, well, you know, no, no. I told him the story and stuff, and he says, ah, he says, you throw too good. You still throw too good. He said, why don't you come out and pitch batting practice for the Dodgers? I was living in Anaheim then. And he said, I said, okay. I said, oh, I'll do that. Anyway, so... Uh, I go out, and there's another class organization. I, I show up to pitch batting practice, right? I've got a, a locker with my name on it, a uniform with my name on it, <laughs> you know, just first-class stuff all the way. And so I'm pitching, and then the extra men said, hey, uh, you, you want to you really bear down and, and pitch like a game situations? And I said, yeah. I said, let's do it. So I came out during game situations, and and they can't hit me at all. I mean, they're lucky to get one out of the cage. And so uh, Walt Ralston was the manager, and Walt says, Walt says, you know, you need to go sign somewhere. He says, I can't do it because our organization, we bring guys up through there very seldom. Do we sign anybody? And he says, you're ready to pitch in the big leagues. He says, you're not. He says, you're not, you're not some guy we want to sign and send to double A. And uh, I said, oh, okay. And he said, why don't you go over and call up the Angels. And so I called the Angels up and told them, I said, hey, I said, I'd like to take batting practice for you. He says, stay in shape. He says, and I'll see what I can do when they were going on a road trip. And then the Angels were in town. And so he says, the Angels tell me, and he said, oh, we got plenty of batting practice pitchers. Well, if you've ever been around baseball long enough, you never have enough batting practice <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. So Kansas City happened to be in town then. And I said, well, Whitey, so I'm going to call Whitey. So I call Whitey up, and I said, Whitey, I said, I've been throwing bang I told him the whole story. I've been throwing bang and stuff. I said, can I come out and throw? Uh, can I come out and throw to your uh, extra man? And I, I said, I got my breaker balls working, my change up, everything's working good. I can give him some good live BP. And the extra men love that. You know, even if they strike out, they don't care. At least they see. And then when they get in the game, they've seen some good stuff, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I go over and I'm throwing. I'm, I get through throwing, and I go and I go into, into the dugout. Why do you hear him? Why he says, "Do you want to play?" And I said, "Yeah." I kind of made up my mind. I'm going to try and come back and play some more. And he said, uh, "He says, will you go to Omaha?" And uh, I said, "Yeah." And he says, "How soon can you get there?" And I said, three days." And so I signed and went to Omaha. Omaha didn't throw that good. I really didn't throw all that good. And uh, But while I was in Omaha, one of the guys who knew me from playing winter ball came by and said, uh, he says, hey, uh, you want to play You want to play in Venezuela? And I said, I got to get a bunch of money to go to Venezuela. And he says, you got it. And so I went to Venezuela Went to Venezuela and just had a hell of a year. I had seven wins and seven saves <laughs> in in uh, 
I don't, I, I don't know, 35 games. They don't play, they don't play that many games. And uh, so anyway, uh, and then when I came back, uh, I I put the word out around everywhere. And when I came back, I said, uh, and so uh, anyway, I ended up talking to uh, talking to what the heck's his name? Really a nice guy. Atlanta, anyway, he was a general. Atlanta's general, Lucas, uh, and uh, he said, "You want you want to play, and, and uh, you want to want to want to come to spring training with Atlanta." And I said, "Yeah, I said I'd like to do that." And so uh, I went to spring training and had a real good spring training, and uh, and they signed me, and that was when they had Marshall. And Marshall, you know, he got upset about something, and then he got hurt, and they didn't have a short man. So next thing you know. Opening uh, opening day, I was the, I was the brave short man out of the bullpen, and uh, you know the closer. And so anyway, he uh, we go down into we go down into Texas, uh, and we're playing uh, we're playing Houston. And in in was it in the dome? I think yeah, it was in the Astrodome. And so we're in there, and yeah, I remember Ferguson's the one that got me back into baseball, right? Uh-huh. So I come in with the bases loaded, nobody out, and I get I get us out of the I get us out of the jam. So instead of taking me out and bringing another pitcher in, which is what he should have done, he lets me pitch two more innings. And finally, I got two outs, two outs, in the, and this is the third inning I've pitched. It's like the eleventh or something like that. And Ferguson comes up, and I hung a curveball and hit it out of the park. He was responsible for getting me back in the game and back out of the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So that, I mean, what you had fifteen games with the Braves there in '77, and then so I mean, that was the end at that point. They, you know, when that when you guys parted ways, did you kind of know that was the end? Yeah, because I, I, I wasn't. I just didn't want to fight it anymore, and and it was to the point where I had a bad back at that time, and my leg. The leg I hurt was my landing leg, and it and the muscles, the tendons and ligaments were gone out of my knee, and so I couldn't. Uh, I had to use all. It had to be muscle tissue that you know supported that landing leg. Yes. And as you, as you get older, those muscles won't do it anymore, and, um, and consequently, my back started hurting, and I had to go to a chiropractor every time. <laughs> every time I pitch, I'd have to go to a chiropractor, and you have to put my back back in. And, and uh, and you know and the guys were hitting they were lighting me up and I you know I didn't like that and uh, so anyway I when I, I left Atlanta they said well we, we we'd like you to go to would you like to go out of Richmond to AAA and I said yeah I'm I'm too old to go to AAA I said you know and they said well we'll we'll have to release you but they had to pay my salary so I'd always wanted to go up to Canada and and take my boat. And just go up into Canada and go across all the way across Canada, and just fishing the lakes along the way. And uh, I said, "Yeah, I'm headed for Canada." Well, I was getting ready to go. You know, outfitting my boat and everything, make put new tires on the trailer. <laughs> I was ready. And uh, so I get a call, and it's uh, it's the pilot pirates. They they're going, uh, "Hey, we don't have any we don't have any pictures in, in Columbus at AAA," and. Uh, I said, well, I said, what are the chances of going back to the big leagues with you guys? And he said, well, not right now, maybe in the next spring, but we'll see how see how you throw and stuff. And so I went there and I threw pretty good, but they ran out of contention, 
and I was there for maybe a month, and they just played themselves out of it, so they, they couldn't win it anymore. So he called me up, and he says, hey, he says, uh, he says we're going to release you and let some young guys pitch because we can't win it anymore anyway. And I said, that's fine with me. Well, they paid me a lot of money to go there, and uh, and they paid me for the rest of the season. And anyway, uh, we talked some, and there was no, no hard feelings at that point in time. And I said, well, I said, I still got time to get to Canada. And then I get a call. I get a call and, uh, from uh, Dallas Green, and he was the GM. He's, you know, at that time he was a GM. Anyway, in Oklahoma City, and he says, we got. He says, our young, our young, our young relief pitcher, his arm is falling off. He says, we got to get, a, we got to get a guy in here with some experience to help him out. And he says, they're. They're running for the pennant, and they need somebody. And so I told them, there's only three weeks left in the season. I said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll go down there. I'll go down there, but uh, I want ten grand and a ring if we win, the, we, we win it. <laughs> and he goes, really? I said, well, yeah, I was going fishing. And he says, oh, okay. So anyway, he said, yeah, come on. So I made I probably made more money that year than I made any any of my other years, and really never and really never did never really never pitched very well. Yeah, I don't know. So well, you deserved it by then. That's great. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm one of the few uh, one of the few ball players that when you look in the uh, you know that Bible thing they with all the stats for uh-huh. all the years you played that has o- over a full page. Yeah. <laughs> All the places, right? <laughs> yeah, met a lot of places. Went a lot of places. Met a lot of people. Had a lot of fun too. I mean, it was a lot of fun. I would do it. Everybody says, "Well, I wouldn't do that over again." I'm, I'd do the whole thing over again. I'm, sh- I'm sure. Well, last few things for you. Circling back to the Royals, then. So, I mean, how long has it been since you've been back to Kansas City? Has it been years and years? Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, I got. Uh, they sent me. They they did send me a letter. Spokane's the name of the town in Washington, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, uh, and Spokane sent me a nice thing. They wanted me to come back there because they had a, a reunion for the, that championship team, you know, where they won. It's a pretty big deal. Pacific Coast League's a pretty tough league. Yeah, it is. Yeah, when you win the, you win the Pacific Coast League, you've done a pretty good job. And so, uh, but no, I haven't been to Kansas City in uh, God, I don't know how long. And I don't drive, for some reason, I don't seem to drive through there because I, I, I go to Wisconsin a lot to see my cousin. And uh, my mom lives in Chicago, or not my mom, but my sister and my mom's gone. But uh, and then I got my grandkids are in Colorado and Arizona, so I spend most of the time doing that. I'm kind of I kind of skirt around that area all the time. I don't really drive through it. Yeah, we got to get so, you back here one of these days. Yeah, I wouldn't mind doing that. It'd be it'd be fun to come and meet you, and you could show me around. Absolutely. Well, now I wanted to ask you too before you went too about uh, if, if it's okay about seven of your former Royals teammates that are no longer with us, just to get some memories of them. So you may not have you know memories of all these guys, but uh, what do you remember most about Ed Kirkpatrick? Ed Ed was quite a guy. Ed was quite a guy, and I'll tell you what, uh, Spanky. That's what they call him, Spanky, and. Uh, Anyway, he he was a he was a good ball player. He was a good ball player, and he he was real serious. He was serious about the game, um, and he was a decent hitter. 
we didn't have a lot of good hitters. <laughs> you have to you have to remember we as a team. I'll bet we didn't hit. I'll bet we didn't hit two twenty as a team. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, and so and so you know a lot of guys like like Ed and stuff. You know they hit and he hit a whole, I believe he hit a home run one every now and then. And uh, but. A lot of the guys we didn't, didn't remember, you know, I don't remember that much about. Yeah. But, uh, Anything about uh, Mo Drabowski or Ted Abernathy? Well, Ted was the short reliever that we got traded in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ted was a down-under guy. Okay. Ted was good. I liked Ted. Ted was a good Well, I liked all – pitchers seem to like all other pitchers, you know. <laughs> yeah. But the um, – but Ted was a good. Uh, Ted was, I thought he was a good. I thought he did a good job for us. I don't know why they traded him. They they, uh, they apparently needed somebody else because they didn't get pitcher for him. I don't think. I think we got a player for him. And then uh, and then Mo 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 was funny. Mo Mo was one of Mo was one of uh, he was immediately one of my running mates when he got there. We we just hit it right off. And uh, but Mo he just uh, he was a dandy. That's his story about Mo. We go out, and we used to go over to this place called uh, Simmons Guns. I think it's still there. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah. Anyway, we'd go over there, and they really liked the ballplayers over there, and they treated us really, really good. And so they, when they would get a deal on guns and stuff, they'd call us up and ask us if we wanted to buy something, and we'd go over there and look at them and stuff. Well, Mo goes out, and he goes over there one day, and we're over there, and he says, oh, yeah, I want that. I want that shotgun. And... We go to the clubhouse early because, you know, we'd rather than go back home and then go to the clubhouse. So we went straight to the clubhouse from there. And he takes the damn shotgun in there. And all of a sudden I hear him saying, I want to see how this damn thing patterns. And he shoots it in, in, in the shower room. <laughs> tear, all the t- tear all the tiles off the wall. <laughs> oh, God, it was funny. That's great. <laughs> I got you. Got to watch. Uh, well, I don't know for sure if they know this. This, 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 and he was involved in this too. That what we, we did was, uh, Rook says we haven't scored a run in maybe a week, ten days, something like that. I mean, we were steadily losing two to nothing, one to one, one to nothing. You know, I mean, and uh, I'll never forget it. So Rooker says. And Mo was in on it too. Grabowski was. He says, "I had gotten some Topps bubble gum. They let you get stuff out of a catalog." Yeah. Well, I had gotten this Black and Decker kit that had drills and saws and all that stuff in there, power saws. And so he says, "Do you still have that in your locker?" And I said, "Yeah." He said, "Well, come to the locker room at two o'clock. We're not, nobody else comes in till five. Go in there and Mo." And Rooker go get all the bats, all the game bats from everybody, and we saw them all in half and put them in a pile in the middle of in the middle of the locker room. So now they come in, and you know we got Pinella there, and 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 so they're yelling. The hitters are yelling, and uh, so Lemon gets there, and the hitters the hitters come. They, they go running over to. Lem, come on out here and look at this. Look at look at what look at what they did. And Lem just didn't didn't break a didn't even grin. He just said, "You never use them anyway, anyway. So what's the difference?" <laughs> <laughs> and just turned around and walked away. 
Oh, they were living. You imagine what Pinello was like. <laughs> he was hostile. <laughs> That's great. Um, oh yeah, it was, it was, it was amazing. Uh, and they had. I don't know. Did we have Jim Campanis on that team? Yeah, I think he was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this, one more story. This is this. This is a funny story. Jim, you know, his dad was owner. You know, Al Campanis. Jim was Jim was a good he was a pretty good pinch hitter. He could hit a home run, but he didn't play all the time. And Jim would go down to the bullpen and he would practice his swing and his grip and all that stuff. He was always doing it. Well Rooker is down there, me and Rooker are down there and we're going oh, Campy, what give it a rest with that bat thing down here in the bullpen. It's just for pitchers and catchers, not for hitters. <laughs> and Campy say, oh, I gotta be ready, you never know. Never know when I have to come in there and hit one. And so Anyway, we're at a doubleheader in Chicago, and the bullpens are out in center field. And the grounds crew, it, all their stuff is out there in center field, too. So we got this afternoon doubleheader, and uh, after the game, the first game, they put on a spread, you know, in the, in the, in the clubhouse. And we know Campy is going to be headed for the spread. <laughs> Campy like to eat. So Campy takes off, and in he goes, and he leaves his back. And so I'd already talked to the grounds crew and asked them if we could have a little can of gas. And, and so we took his bat, made a little berm out of the sand, and stuck his bat in there, poured gas on it, and lit it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all sitting, we're sitting in, in the bullpen, me and Rooker, and well, everybody knew what was going on. It's still smoldering. The grounds crew is laughing so hard, they can't even see the game. Anyway, so Campy comes down, and he's got part of a sandwich in his pocket. So he's eating that. And he gets through, and it's about the second inning, I guess, and he says, where's my bat? <laughs> and uh, everybody goes, I don't know, Campy, I don't know. You know, it's all people can do to keep from laughing, because it's, it's standing up over there in the sand, <laughs> and it, it looks like a piece of charcoal. It's black. <laughs> you know, it's all burned up. And so uh, he goes, finally he sees it, <laughs> and uh, he goes over to it, and he says, Booker, Johnson, did you guys do that to my back? <laughs> no, no, Campy, we wouldn't do that. <laughs> oh, God, it was funny. That got around the league pretty good. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was just amazing. <laughs> Let's see, if you did that today, every newswire in the world, there'd be people that wanted you know, to hang you or do this, you know, it'd be <laughs> awful. You couldn't, you couldn't do it today anymore. I think it's hilarious. Do stuff like. Do you? Uh, well, it was. It was. It was. Yeah, if you were there, you, you think it's funny now? You should have been there. Do you, I mean, there's just tears in our eyes. Do you uh, yeah. remember anything about Pat Kelly or Jerry Adair? Couple of position players, or not really? I remember Jerry. I Pat. I remember Pat. Pat was. Pat could steal a base for you. Pat yeah. was a pretty good ball player. Pat, Pat was, uh, I think he was he was underrated as a ball player. He was, as I recall, he, he ran really good. He's a left-handed hitter, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think I, he was a decent ball player. He wasn't bad at all. I like that. He was a good guy, too. I remember him being a good guy. And uh, Jerry, I very... Adair may have came over. Was he there all year? I I think he was there for like half the year. I think he did come in the middle of the year. Maybe he was the guy they traded yeah, I, for. 
might have been. Uh, let's see. The so, I, I guess the last four guys I have for you are pitchers. Anything uh, obviously real tragic. Uh, Don O'Reilly. Any memories of him? Not much. No. Uh, and then Mo Drabaski. Yeah, Mo. We were just talking about Mo. Oh, I just said Mo. Mo sorry. Great. Yeah, and Mo. <laughs> Mo control. I mean, My bad. Mo was a hell of a short man. Mo was one of. Uh, he's one of the guys that I, I'd want coming in after me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because. As much as as much as we like to have fun and mess around off the field, he had that same tenacity on the field that that, that makes you winner. He's he was a winner. A guy, was a winner. One guy that I think there was a, he was only there for like a couple of weeks. Do you remember Aurelio Montiagudo? Is that how you say his name? Mont- Monta- Montiagudo. Yeah, Magudo. Yeah. Aurelio Montiagudo. Yeah, he was cool. He was funny. He's just a deadpan comedy kind of guy. Oh man, he was funny. I liked him. Yeah, I liked him. Well, let me know if you uh, you know end up coming back this way, and let's definitely stay in touch. You got my number, and I appreciate all your time and, and all that you gave to the Royals yeah. as well. Oh, hey, no problem, Dave. It was kind of fun.